Welcome to Atmosphere Church. My name is Jim Cruz and I'm the lead pastor. We're a new non-denominational life-giving church located in the Conejo Valley, just west of Los Angeles. Let me just say on behalf of all of us here at Atmosphere, thank you for downloading or streaming this service. We pray that it'll touch your heart and change your life. In addition to bringing you today's service, we wanna make ourselves available to you in any way we can. Please leave a comment if you need prayer or if you wanna speak with one of our leaders in any struggle that you may be facing right now, we will be sure to respond to anything you need in your life. Here at Atmosphere, we believe that we should never forsake the gathering together with other believers. Don't use this recorded service as your church experience. Get involved in the local church to the extent that the people there know you by name. If you live in the Southern California area, we would love to invite you to be a part of our community. For more information about our church, go to our official webpage at atmosphere.church. Finally, there's a lot of man hours that are put behind making services and resources like this available that are meant to help you grow and develop as a disciple of Jesus Christ. So if this service and our other resources bless you, would you consider giving back to Atmosphere Church to support not just these things, but to also support the creation of even more resources for you and really for others who are also desiring to grow in their faith. To make a financial donation, simply click on the link on our site that says donate and your gift of any amount is greatly appreciated. Remember, when you give to Atmosphere Church, you're actually giving through Atmosphere to change lives in our church in our city and literally around the world. We've already prayed for you that today's message would speak directly to your heart and empower you to live the life that God has called you to live. Enjoy the service. We had 60 people representing Atmosphere Church out in our community, helping some widows and some senior citizens in our community, helping the homeless, even blessing some college students. I love it, but I wanted to play that video specifically today because we're in a series called Selfless, and we're looking at how we need to selfless and Jesus more. We've been talking about this Jesus style of life that we are all called to live, and actually when we begin living it, we actually live a more fulfilled, satisfied, content Life. And so if you have your Bibles, I want you to go ahead and turn open to 2 Timothy. And we got one more message in our series uh, next week. And then Pastor Darren Laws will be a guest speaker on the 14th. And next week, we're going to be taking communion as a church together, which will be great. Another first for our church. But today, we've already talked about giving more. We've talked about loving more. And today, we want to talk about serving more and how when you give more and you love more and you serve more you're actually Jesus more and you are selfless and the reason this is a really important series is because it seems as though we are in an age of people being too absorbed with self it's interesting that in 2 Timothy chapter 3 it kind of addresses this it says, you must understand this, that in the last days, there will be violent periods of time. People will be selfish and love money. They will brag, be arrogant, and use abusive language. They will curse their parents, show no gratitude, have no respect for what is holy, and lack normal affection for their families. 
They will refuse to make peace with anyone. They will be slanderous, lack self-control, be brutal, have no love for what is good. They will be traitors. They will be reckless and conceited. They will love pleasure rather than God. They will appear to have a godly life, but they will not let its power change them. Now, this is Paul writing to his apprentice, Timothy. And he's writing him this letter saying, hey, I want to prep you on some things as a young leader as you move forward in your relationship with God that there's going to come a time on our calendar where we're going to kind of get to the last season. And this is going to kind of be the atmosphere of what's happening in the last season of life. Now, as I just read this, even though this was written thousands of years ago, Am I the only one that saw that that description sounds a lot like America? (laughs) Am I the only one that saw that? It sounds a lot like how we are living right now. Not just the selfish part, but all of the other descriptions which would lead me to believe that, my friends, we are living in the last days. Now, I'm not here to put a stamp on when the world is going to end like some goofballs have done in the past. You know, I'm not that kind of a pastor or preacher, and this is not that kind of a church. We don't know when the day or the hour is going to come where all of this is going to come to an end. But we know from reading the Bible that eventually, as time marches on, there will be an end to what God has begun. And even though we don't know the day or the hour, we will know the season, the Bible says. And so as we read this letter that Paul is writing to his apprentice, we can really latch on to the idea that, you know what, we are living in the last days. And how are we supposed to handle ourselves as followers of Jesus living in such a self-absorbed, self-centered world? It says that in the last days, people will be lovers of self. Now, here's the reality. All of us love ourselves to some degree, and that's not a bad thing. Matter of fact, that actually is a healthy thing. That Remember, the royal law is to, to love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself, implying that you do love yourself. In other words, there is self-care built inside of you to make sure that you're healthy, make sure that you're safe. So those things are good. Loving yourself is not what's bad. It's loving only yourself especially loving yourself at somebody else's expense. It reminded me of the story I was reading about these two hikers that were hiking up in Yosemite, and they were on this trail, and they actually turned a corner, and there was a grizzly bear. He saw the hikers. He stood up on his hind legs, and he was ready to attack. And one of the hikers just reached down into his bag and started getting out his tennis shoes. And his friend said, what are you doing? Like, man, we, we need to, to, to do something, but you can't outrun a grizzly bear. Everybody knows that you can't outrun a grizzly bear. And his friend said, hey, outrun a grizzly bear. I don't have to do that. I just have to outrun you. <laughs> that was a joke, by the way. <laughs> Wasn't a true story. All right. But it's, it's when you get to a point with your life that you aren't even considerate 
of the other people around your life. You, you know, you've got your problems, you've got your issues, you've got your life, you've got your things going on, and everybody else is second to what's going on with you. And the Bible tells us that when you live that way, you're going to damage your relationships and you're going to de deplete your happiness. You're going to deplete that contentment that God wants you living with. Let me give you a couple of passages where in the New Testament, in the Gospels, that Jesus is trying to teach this principle to his followers, to his disciples. Matter of fact, he had these 12 guys that were around him all the time. And these guys were being trained by Jesus to change the world. And as he was training them, uh, you know, one of the meetings that they were having, they were having really a dinner before he was going to be arrested and he would be crucified. And they had been around Jesus for quite some time. They'd been a part of the miracles. They'd been a part of all these messages. And, and so while Jesus was in the room and they were getting ready to have this dinner, there was this conversation that broke out among the disciples. And the conversation with the disciples were, hey, which one of us is like Jesus's favorite? Like, who's the greatest? And they, they started having this discussion. And I, I can imagine, you know, Peter, who, you know, was probably the most outspoken of all the disciples. I can imagine him in this argument making the case going, you know what, guys, I'm the greatest. I mean, I didn't see you guys stepping out of the boat. Like, I was the only one where you guys were, like, hanging out in the boat. You were scared of the ghost of Jesus. I was wanting to go with him. And I stepped out on the water, and I walked on water with Jesus. And then another disciple said, yeah, but you sank after you took three steps. <laughs> then you have John, one of the other disciples over there. And John, John was a character because John actually was the only disciple that really stayed with Jesus while he went through all of the agony and and things that he went through in the crucifixion. But when John writes his letters, it's so fascinating to me, is he would always address himself as the one whom Jesus loved, implying that he loved me more than he loved all y'all. Like, I'm the beloved, like, you know, I'm the loved one. So I can see him going, hey, you guys, you, you might have walked on water, Peter, but I know, man, I love him, and he loves me, and so that's it. And Bartholomew was over there going, no, guys, I'm the greatest. And John and Peter both look at him and say, nobody's even going to know you were a disciple, man. You're not the greatest. Bartholomew was a disciple. But like, I haven't met anybody named Bartholomew, so um, the name didn't stick. All that to say, in our culture, we hear these talks about the goat. You guys know the term the goat, right? The greatest of all time. It's like when, when you start talking sports and you start talking about the history of, say, one particular kind of sport, like it's really during basketball season, it, it comes up and it's come up like the last few years where, you know, the greatest of all time, you know, the, who's the goat of basketball? Everybody, Michael Jordan. No, it's LeBron James. Michael Jordan's LeBron James. And I say it's Michael Jordan. You might say it's LeBron James. But there's a goat. There's a goat in football. You know, everyone's talking, Joe Montana, he's the GOAT. No, it's Tom Brady. And I don't know, I, I, I know I'm a California guy, but I got to say, it's probably Tom Brady as far as in the quarterback thing. You guys may debate me on that, but I'm like, look at the rings. I'm just saying. <laughs> Even though I wish they didn't get that last ring, Zach. But you know what? It's all right, man. It's all right. 
We'll get one next year, all right? Go Rams. So here's, here's the idea. So this debate's going on. We're on the greatest of all time. And Jesus steps in. He hears this conversation. And he's like, man, these guys are way off. Check this out. In Luke 22, it says, then they began to argue among themselves about who would be the greatest among them. And Jesus told them, in this world, the kings and great men lord it over their people, yet they are called friends of the people. But among you, it will be different. Those who are the greatest among you should take the lowest rank, and the leader should be like a what, church? Should be like a servant. Jesus is saying, hey, you guys have it all wrong. See, the kingdom of God is completely opposite the kingdom of this world. If you want to be the goat in God's kingdom, then you have to actually take the lowest spot at the dinner table. You have to take on the position as a servant. And I love the Gospel of John. It really kind of breaks into this illustration because it wasn't that Jesus just said this. He actually did something and demonstrated something to his disciples to show them what exactly he was talking about. In John chapter 13, we read this bizarre thing that happens. And it's really bizarre for us because there is a breakdown with our culture. Back then, what they would do when they would come over to somebody's house for dinner is, you know, when somebody comes over our house for dinner, a lot of times we say, can I take your coat? Would you like a glass of water or a beverage? And then we get them comfortable on our couch or whatever. See, back in biblical times, because their main mode of transportation was on foot, most of the time when you would come into somebody's home, they would say, hey, can I take your coat? Can I offer you something to drink? And can I wash your feet? Because your feet were awful. They were a mess. They were dirty. And so they would take the lowest servant in the home and his job or her job would be able to come in. And while the guests were relaxing at the table, they would have this foot washer go through and, and, and clean everybody's feet off as a sign of honoring the guest. But it was the person, it was the starting position, you might say. I don't know, you know, when you were 16, what kind of weird or crazy jobs that you had, but you know, you start at the bottom whenever you really start a new job. I remember as a 16-year-old, my first job was working at a car wash in Bakersfield, California. Now, let me tell you something about Bakersfield. In July, it feels like hell, all right? August 2, maybe. I am... I am vacuuming cars out when it's 115 degrees and it's car after car after car. And it's why? Because I was 16. I had no job experience. So you, you start off on the bottom and see that the towel or the, the foot washer, they were on the bottom. And so they didn't like their job, but they knew that, hey, this is kind of our starting position. And so Jesus just shocks everybody at the dinner. Because he goes over and he grabs a towel and he puts the towel on and then he begins to go one by one through his disciples and he begins to wash their feet. And they were coming undone. They're like, whoa, you are the, you are the honorary guest. We are here to honor you. What in the world are you doing taking this, this job of like the lowest of low employees here and you're serving us? And check out what happens. Jesus uses it as a teaching moment. 
Because what happens is Peter refuses it. He says, "Uh uh-uh, not on my watch. I'm not letting you wash my feet. Jesus said, unless you want to be a part of my kingdom, you're going to let me wash your feet. And at that point, Peter's always like the one, he's, he's, He's that friend that you just always like, dude, take it down a notch, bro. You know, like, he's that guy. He's like, then, wa- then wash my whole body, then let me get naked. And, just like, and they're like, no. Jesus like, no, Peter, just your feet. All right? But check this out. He says, here's Jesus turning this into a teaching moment. He says, if I then, the Lord and the teacher, wash your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. For I gave you an example that you also should do as I did to you. Now, I've seen a lot of church services and they do this foot washing thing. And and I I understand all of that. But really, this isn't the point. It's like we should have foot washing as part of our services. That's, That's not the point here. Jesus is saying that if you really want to be great in my kingdom, then you must learn the value and the power of serving other people and and being willing to get as dirty and as grimy and as filthy as you need to get in order to meet somebody's needs that are in their life. Mark chapter 10, verse 45, Jesus said this. He said, for even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many, There's something here, church, that we need to embrace because Jesus is saying, I have a life for you that it's an abundant life. It's an overflowing life. And here's what I probably know about your life. You, you have some things that are trying to rob you of your joy. You have some things that are probably trying to steal some of your peace and, and probably trying to get you to live in this place of constant discouragement to where you're just like, man, I, can I catch a break? And Jesus said, there's a way to experience life in spite walking through difficulties and bad circumstances. And the way you're going to find this life is actually putting yourself on pause and learning to give more, love more, and serve more. And by doing that, you are going to find and experience real overflowing, abundant life. He's hardwired that inside of us, church. That you are not fully you until you begin doing what God has wired you to do with your life. And when you begin giving your life away for the sake of other people, you actually end up finding your life. Paul writes this to the Galatian church in Galatians chapter 5. He says, For you were called to freedom, brethren. Only do not turn your freedom into an opportunity for the flesh. But through love, remember we talked about that last week, through love serve one another. For the whole law is fulfilled in one word in the statement, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. There's something implied here that I think we need to just take a moment and break it down. The thing that is really implied here is that you're walking in the freedom that Christ died in order for you to live with. And I've met a lot of people that claim to be followers of Christ, but they are not walking in freedom. They're walking in bondage. There's hurts, habits, and hang-ups in their life that have gotten them so wrapped up in themselves that they can't even see people around them that have needs. 
And that's the devil's plot and plan for your life. He wants to get you so caught up in your own muck, in your own things, these hurts, maybe the way your mama and daddy raised you or things that happened to you as a child or maybe even things that happened to you as an adult and you just are holding on to that hurt. You got some habits that you know are nasty, but you just can't seem to get them out of your life. You got these hangups where your mind just plays something on repeat and you know it's toxic for not just you, but your whole entire family. And you're like, man, I just got to get this stuff out. See, Jesus died to get you into heaven, but he resurrected to get heaven inside of you so that you can live out the freedom that he died to give you. He doesn't want those hurts, habits, and hangups hanging around your life and stealing you and robbing you of the ways that God has designed you to work your life, and that is to serve other people. But when you walk in that freedom, what you have is you have the capacity to look around and see people that God, maybe, has supernaturally placed around you so that you can serve them. You know, and it, the, the crazy thing, it's not difficult to serve. It's just getting to this place where you understand, like, God has wired me to serve. Matter of fact, I brought an apron. I know I did this last month for another message. But I love the apron because the apron is, is allowing me to have the mindset that serving is not what I do. Serving is who I am. I'm a servant. That's, that's what Jesus has called me to be. And if, if, if I serve more, I'm going to self less. I, I'm going to be able to live out what God wants me to live. So if you change your mindset, then every space that you walk into, the question is always the same. How can I serve here? Because if you're servant, anytime you walk into a different space, it's always going to be the same response. How can I serve here? God has wired me to serve. And the more that I serve, the more of his life is being poured into me so more of his life can flow out of me. So, so how can I serve? So I've got some questions for you. We're just going to be real practical right now. I've given you the, the, the spiritual and the biblical side of it, but let's get real practical for a moment here. When you're at home or with your family, you put your apron on and you say, how can I serve? You know what's tricky about this space? Because we're the most comfortable around the people that we live with and the people that are family, we tend to treat them the worst. It's like, think about it. The people that we love the most should get the best of us, but most often, the people that we love the most get the worst of us. I think we just kind of drop our guard down, especially as we just walk through this marriage retreat this weekend. And, and I think it really boils down to one thing. We tend to take each other for granted. The people that are in closest proximity, the people that we see all the time, we kind of look at them and just say, hey, uh, you know, they're always around. And so we forget the apron, but realize the people that you love the most ought to be the people that you serve the most. And the more that you serve the people that you love the most, the more you're feeding into that relationship and the healthier and the stronger that relationship is going to be. But what happens most of the time with our family is that we serve after we are served. And maybe it's because we're accustomed to that because there's so much attention being put on customer service these days. How can I help? So we walk in the room and say, how can they help me? You know, I'm going to walk in the space like, how can my family right now, they're, they're not doing something. I did something. 
Then how come they're not doing that? And so we kind of keep record and see what Jesus is saying. It has nothing to do with what somebody has done or hasn't done. You are a servant. And when you walk in your home, especially those that you love the most, are the ones that you ought to be serving the most. And not like, what have they done for me lately? Bust out a Janet Jackson 80 song right there. It's true, though. And you guys don't need a preacher to tell you that. You're just like, yeah. I mean, when's the last time that you really, it was hard on you, you didn't want to, you were tired, you, you were really maybe not in a really good mood, but you knew that this would really serve somebody in your home, serve somebody in your family, maybe somebody that doesn't live with you, and you just said, I'm going to do it. I don't feel like it, but you know, I'm going to do it. And how often after you did that that you were like, man, I'm so glad I did it. We've got to be intentional when we walk into our homes, whether you're married or single, if you have kids or you don't have kids, you have family. There's family around. And the question is, how can I serve? Second one, when you're at work. How about when you're at work? And most of us go to work, and sometimes we're even the employer, not the employee. We're, we're like running companies and when you go into work, I mean, even if you are the boss, there should be a moment before you walk into the doors of work that you, maybe you even like kind of pretend you're putting your apron on going, okay, how can I serve? Because I'm a servant. So I'm going into my job right now and I'm going to be working with, with guys and gals that are going through a lot. And you know, what do I need to do? And some of you, the Holy Spirit may nudge you and say, hey, you're done early. They're running late on their project. Why don't you stay over and help them and work extra and not, not tell your boss, not tell anybody, but just do this out of way to bless this other person that is in a bind. Maybe you can call your spouse and say, babe, I'm, you know, I know I, I'm, I promised I'd be home right at 5.30, but you know, this coworker of mine, he's, he's in a jam and I need to help him out. I think most spouses, as long as you communicate that, uh, they're going to be okay with that. And as long as that's not normal, you know. But you're, you're, you're looking for ways that you might be able to help a coworker. Maybe it's just a, a spontaneous act of kindness, and you're like, man, I know everybody comes in, everyone's all tired, so you know what? I'm going to stop by Pete's or Starbucks or 507 or wherever, and I'm going to get a big old jug of coffee. I'm going to get a big old thing of bagels, and I'm just going to roll in, and I'm going to be the hero, and I'm going to say, I'm here to fuel you up with caffeine and just give you some bagels, some treats on me. Why? What's going on? What's the special occasion? Just because I love you guys and I'm a servant and I want to serve you. Think of how mind-blowing that would be in such a selfish world that we live in. That would absolutely maybe get somebody to start paying attention to your life a little bit and why you're so different and why Maybe you're so much more happy than they seem to be in their own lives. I mean, if you're boss, remember that Jesus was the leader of teaching servant leadership. Even though he had the power over these guys, his org chart was he put himself on the bottom. We're so used to like, hey, you got to get to the top. And Jesus is like, no, the way to the top is actually to the bottom. His org chart has him on the bottom. And so even if you maybe are a manager, you have employees underneath you, I know that you risk them maybe trying to take advantage of you, but God is bigger than that. 
Don't let the fear of the what if keep you from doing something that could be such a milestone moment for an employee going, wow, what is with this guy? He's the best guy I've ever worked for. He's the, she's the best woman that I've ever, you know, uh, had as a manager over my, my job. I mean, really, just think about that, how impacting that would be to say, even though I'm over you, I want to ask you, how can I serve you? What about in our church gathering? Have you ever just walked in here? Maybe, I know we're a new church, and this is kind of new for everybody, but have you ever thought about, like, how does this all happen? Does Jim and Tara, like, get here at, like, four in the morning, just them, and, you know, they're there by themselves, and they're getting everything ready to go? no. The reality is, even a, a church plant like this takes about 100 volunteers every week to prepare this gathering, 100 people. You say, well, our church isn't much bigger than that. Exactly. That's why we're always pushing for you to join the team, is because we realize that the more people that we have wearing the aprons coming into church, the more we're going to be able to accomplish for God's kingdom. I mean, it's great to have a gathering like this, but if more people are serving, coming in here going, how can I serve the kids' ministry? How can I serve with, with being a, a part of you know, maybe the greeting team or the, the worship team or the tech team or the youth team? Uh, how, how can I be more involved? Then as you step up and start serving, you are actually becoming a catalyst for more people coming to atmosphere and more people beginning a relationship with Christ and to begin actually following Christ with their life. It's not always about the the sermon. You know, a lot of people make a decision whether or not they're going to come back to church a second time within the first seven minutes that they arrive to a gathering. And I know some of you are new here, and I hope that within the first seven minutes of your experience with us, you knew what we were about and that we're a church that we want to love you really, really well. In Vegas, I got in a little trouble for that. I would say, we just want to love the hell right out of you. We're like, you can't say that. I go, why not? We're in Vegas. Can I, can I say that in Thousand Oaks? But let me just tell you this before I move on. There's a place for you on a team here. I, I just think of, of like Marty and Stacy, if I, I can just point you guys out, man. Since day one, they have been showing up early to make sure uh, Tara's uh, kids' ministry is all set up. And, and I mean, I could go on and on in this room uh, for, for example after example, like Tim in the back, who's been with us from day one, gets here early, makes sure everything is all set up and, and taken care of. There's a lot of cords and wires, and I don't even know how this all works together, but he does. He, he figures it all out. And, and I can go on and on about servant after servant. But, but just let me tell you, there's a spot for you, and we could become even a greater church if you jump on a team and are a servant. The, the, the next point is when you're in the community. This is a fun one. Because we're all out and about. We, we have jobs, but we also go home, right? We also have houses and neighborhoods that we live in, and we go places. We have different hobbies. We go hiking, and, and, and there's things that we do. And maybe we go to the gym. There's, there's people that God is specifically and strategically placing in our circle so that we might be able to be the light of the world for them. And the way that your life is going to shine the brightest is when you step out of your cells and you ask a question, how may I serve them? We have the saying around here, and, and I think if you get the saying down, 
you're going to have so many God stories throughout your week. It's, gonna, it's just going to blow you away because you're going to have a, a, a different mentality when you're going. And basically, the saying is, if you find a need, you fill it. You find a hurt, and you heal it. In other words, God has given you his spirit so that you can walk in power and authority so that if somebody in your circle that you're around, whether, whether you're maybe pumping gas at the gas station or you're at Target getting your supplies for the week, that God has put a spirit on you and in you so that you can be an atmosphere changer for somebody's life in Target, for somebody's life at the Chevron gas pump. I mean, these are things that happen to me all the time. I just need to be aware that there's more than just me on planet Earth. And the more that I'm conscientious that there's people out there that are hurting and that are going through things, the easier it is to take a mundane task or chore or errand, and then it becomes a miracle story. My wife posted this the other day, and I thought it was beautiful. It says, everyone you meet is fighting a battle you know nothing about. Be kind always. Isn't that good? I'm like, Tara, I'm putting that at church, man. That's good. My wife may not get up here and speak, but man, she is a woman of God that I just cherish her. A little bit more because we're at couples retreat. So I'm like, all right, I'm not there. Like, I need to be a better husband. But, but all that to say, all that to say, we just run our errands. We just do our punch list. And that person that you just passed by may have thought that morning of taking their life. And guys, it's not difficult. When you're wearing the apron, you're like, okay, you know, what can I do? Can I go, like, you know, fix your car, you know, do a tune-up? No, it might be as simple as grabbing one of our scripture cards on the lobby table and saying, hey, I just kind of sense, like, maybe you just need a little dose of some pick-me-up and Man, there's nothing that picks me up more than the Bible. In this scripture, I just felt like I was supposed to give you that card. Or maybe it's you're seeing somebody struggling, and maybe you're, you're at a fast food place, and you're just like, let me, let me grab an extra soda and just bring it to them. I say, hey, you may not drink soda, but I was just thinking about you, man, and just thought, I should buy you a soda and just tell you that, man, you are loved, and you matter to God, and you matter to me. It could change somebody's eternal life just taking a minute out of your day and serving them because when you're serving them guess what the other flip side of that is you're not serving yourself let me land the plane here okay there's going to come a time when our life is going to end and when it's all said and done we're going to have this appointment with God and God's going to kind of evaluate how we've leveraged this life that he's given us and I really believe, as you, as you read, especially the Gospel of Matthew, especially uh, that last chapter, one of the last chapters there, verse, or chapter 25, he talks about the separation of the sheep from the goats. This is a different kind of goat. And Jesus is saying, basically, that there are people that are going to be like really sincere, genuine followers of God, and then there's going to be these people that are just like posers, that just say they are from God and they say they love God, but really they, they don't. They're going to separate the sheep, the genuine people, from the goats who are the posers or, or the fake ones. 
And Jesus is basically saying the way the, the list is going to be found out and who's genuine and who's not are the ones that have done things to help other people. I know that you'll, you're a child of God and you belong to God by the way you've leveraged your life because when God is inside of you, he's compelling you to be selfless and to be Jesus more. He's compelling you to give more. He's compelling you to love more. He's compelling you to serve more. And so the way you know that you're moving your life and striving towards that is you're serving more people. And he uses this example of, of, of this guy going and, and giving water to the thirsty and giving food to the hungry and giving clothing to the naked. And in this illustration, they're saying, when, when do we do this for you, king? He says, when you've done it to the least of these, you've done them to me. You're doing it for me. In other words, when, when we serve, we're not just actually serving people. We're serving God. You're actually putting the apron on and somebody else gets a side benefit of, of something bigger and grander that's going on. That, that when you serve people, you're actually serving God. In verse 23, and I, I got to wrap it up here. In verse 23, He's using this illustration about the talents. He says, the master said, well done, my good and faithful servant. You have been faithful in handling the small amount, so now I will give you many more responsibilities. Let's celebrate together. This guy knew he was a steward, and he stewarded it well, and, and at the end, he says, well done. Well done. So at the end of my life, I know there's gonna be an appointment that I have with God. Where in that moment, he's going to look over my life and how I've leveraged my life. And not only is he going to be able to see if I'm genuine or a poser, he's going to use that opportunity to reward those that have leveraged their life and to do things that look like his son, Jesus. And those things that we've done that are for God and for his kingdom and look like Jesus, we're going to get a well done. Folks, I want to live and I want to leverage my life for the well done. Live for the well done. Because I don't know what God has waiting for us in eternity. But if there's different levels of things that we can experience in heaven based upon the way we leverage our life now, it is so worth living selfless and being Jesus more. Because the more Jesus is coming out of our life, the more of our life is being lived for the well done. Hey, thank you for tuning in today to another message from Atmosphere Church. If this message has spoken to your heart, would you take a moment and share it with your friends? You can connect with us on YouTube, iTunes Podcast, Facebook, Twitter, and even on Instagram. Simply do a search for Atmosphere Church through these various platforms and click either the follow or subscribe buttons. It's another great way for us to be able to stay connected with you. And until next time, we pray you'll keep the faith, spread the hope, and live the love. God bless you.